Man, it is good to be with you guys. How are we doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. Great. Well, I am, uh, I'm kind of just, let's, let's do a, hey, let's take a moment real quick and uh, talk to those who are online real quick. Hey, we are so glad that you're here. I don't know if you know this online, but you guys are now fast becoming our largest campus that we have all together. So we love you guys. We're grateful for you. We know that you're all over the country and all over the world, and we're so thankful for you. Can we welcome them? So let's do a little informal survey if we can right now and just talk about that. Um, how many of you love the cold weather right now? Raise your hands. Okay, all right. And how many of you do not? All right, so cool. How many of you are Republican? No, just kidding. Just, jo- <laughs> just joking, just joking. We don't do that here. Man, I'm so glad to be able to be jumping into this. This is the last week of our series called The Fullness of God. We've been talking about different things that set us up really well for the year. And uh, today we're going to be talking about what it means to lay your life down in service for other people, a life of service that actually heals and transforms us in the process. Let me give you a little bit of like an update on kind of where we were last week. Um, last week, uh, last week we were talking about the need for biblical teaching. And one of the things we talked about was that if we're, let's just go ahead and look at it. Verse 19, Ephesians chapter three, verse 19 This is the verse we looked at and said, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, right? So this love that he's talking about, this is God's love for you. And what he's basically saying right here, Paul's saying is that there's a kind of love that God has for you that is so thorough and so deep and so extensive and so beautiful that you'll never, this side of paradise, understand it in its totality. You will only be able to glimpse it, grasp at it, and understand it in just little pieces. So he says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled and full. So we talked about those two words. We said, one of the challenges for us spiritually to grow is to realize what we are filling our lives with because what we are filling our lives with is what we will become full of down the road. And so when it comes to understanding that, one of the things that, we, that I challenged you with was, I said, listen, you need to realize that not everybody deserves a voice in your life. Not everybody deserves a voice in your life. And you have to be critical thinkers when it comes to what voices that you listen to. And I put a challenge before you. And I said, listen, if you are listening to your uh, podcasts, if you're listening to your social media platforms, if you're listening to the radio or you're watching television, whatever, however you get your information, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself one question. Is it making me more like God? Is it making me more like Jesus? And if you walk away and you are always more angry and always more afraid, it is not making you more like God because God is neither afraid nor angry all the time. And so we understand that to be true. And I can tell you right now with great clarity that that's not God's will for your life. You need to subtract those voices from your life. You'll say, well, I agree with those people. I know that's fine. You can agree with them. But the way in which they are saying what they are saying is not bringing fruit to your life. And we know this biblically because the Bible says the evidence of God working in the life of a believer is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And if those things are not manifested in your life, then you need to know that the source of what you're listening to is not from God. I want you to just to think about that. And I want to put the challenge in front of you again. I had a guy who came uh, and said uh, a couple of weeks ago, he wrote me an email. And and this guy is a high capacity guy. I mean, he is a, uh, he's a business guy and he's just at the top of his game. He's a great dude. But he said, hey, Pastor Mike, I didn't really love when I first came to the church that, number one, you didn't talk about politics and jump into the issues of the day, which we don't. If you're new here, we don't talk about politics ever here. That was the joke at the beginning. And, uh, and, uh, And he said, you know, when you said 
uh, to stop listening to those sources. I just kind of, I took it, I did it. And he said, you know, I feel so much better. I'm less anxious, I'm less worried, I'm less consumed with those kind of things. You will have that exact same experience. So if you are wandering around with anxiety all the time, stop listening to all those things that are putting all that junk in you because what you fill yourself, you become full of. Amen? All right. So now today we're gonna turn our attention to uh, another topic that's super important, and that is how we serve other people in our lives. And I think that what we're gonna look at today Uh, These ideas are very fundamental to the nature of God himself, who God is. So let's look look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, and then we're going to read through all of our texts like we've been doing. But let's take a look at this. Ephesians 3, 19, it says this, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. Now, when we talk about this, when we talk about this, this, this passage that we just looked at, we have to recognize that when we are filled with the fullness of God, when we look like God, when we look like God, when we're full of God, it means that we live and act as God acts. So actually sacrifice is a necessary part. It's part of his character. And therefore it's a necessary part of what we look like as Christians. So I just want to show you, like if you're brand new to the church, I want you to see what people have done before you showed up things that they were involved in that led to where we are today. Because I believe that as you become a part of what Grace is doing right now, you're gonna lay your life down for people who are gonna come through the door down the road and it's gonna change their lives, their whole families, their entire destiny. These are just a few things that happened last year. So at the top, this is our extraordinary servanthood is one of our house rules. Our house rules are the things that we believe as a church. You can have two churches that have the same theologies but have very different practices. And the reason for it is not their theologies, it's their culture. Our house rules are our culture. Read them, they will tell you a lot about us. But if you take a look at this, we heard the, the gospel was preached more than 100,000 times. Our, our uh, households viewed it over 100,000 times. This is my favorite one. 667 people made commitments to Christ last year for the very, very first time. Isn't that amazing? We have 3,000% increase in counseling, 1,800 registrations, 502 verses of the Bible. And we have three times the number of groups, small groups that we had before we went into COVID. God is doing extraordinary things. And you know, all of that happened because people like you lay down your life with an extraordinary servanthood so that other people can come and know Jesus. If you've been part of the church for a long, if you've you've never been part of the church, you don't understand this, but but if you've been part of the church for a long time, you've heard that phrase, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. It's not true here at Grace. The opposite statistics are actually true. Almost 80% of our people are involved in service in some form or fashion. So you're joining something that has a giant buy-in to it. And the reason for that is because we believe that part of the nature of God is that he was an extraordinary servant. Philippians 2 gives us an entire picture of him coming in humility laying his life down for those who were dying. And that, that, that is what we get to do, not have to do, but that is what we get to do as Christians. And I know sometimes when you hear that, you think to yourself, well, come on, I've got so much going on in my life. I totally get that. And it's a natural impulse to try to protect yourself and to say, you know what? I'm just going to kind of like, I'm going to walk in balance. But people who walk in balance don't ever do anything. They're neither great, nor are they terrible. They're just balanced right? And, and there's nothing like the idea of balanced in the Bible. What there is in the Bible is sacrifice. Jesus didn't come to say, hey, I'm going to be balanced. He said, I'm going to lay my life down for you so that you could have access to the Father. And that's what we do. And that doesn't mean that you don't go through seasons where you have to pull back and say, you know what? I just need to, 
I need to refocus my mind, get ready, but the normal Christian life is one where you are laying down your life for your families, your friends, your neighbors, and your coworkers, and it changes. It changes you in the process. So let's take a look at this, the very nature of giving house rule up here, up on the screen, there's a definition for it. Extraordinary servanthood, and what does it mean? It means we serve sacrificially, giving up things we love sometimes, our money, sometimes our time, sometimes circumstances that are convenient for us, whatever it is, for the people that we love even more. You know who gets this more than anybody else? Moms get this more than anyone else. Moms totally get this more than anyone else. I had three conversations this week with young moms who have young kids, and they were absolutely overwhelmed, absolutely tired, absolutely feel like they were over their heads. And I just hear that so much. I almost, con- I almost consider that just universally true for young moms now. But at the end of the day, there's so many pulls, mom, 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 I need this. There's so many takes, there's so many takes, there's so many takes that it can be absolutely overwhelming. But why do they do it? They do it because they've got these little kids and they love these kids and they're just pouring their life out for them. Why? Because they want them to become something great and to be something different. And man, is it hard. And man, do we, are we 100% with you? But man, it's just challenging. Just as someone who's a little bit older than you, um, um, it gets a lot easier because as you've poured that into your kids, man, I'm telling you, God, God will return that to you over time. Jesus said it this way because he agreed with this whole thing or we get, to the, we get this from him. John 15, 13, Jesus speaks and he says, greater love has no one than this. There, in other words, there's no greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is what we do. We lay our lives down for our families, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. Let's read our passage today. We're gonna zero in on uh, verses 20 and 21, but let's read the whole thing. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, but he's writing to the church in all perpetuity, all future churches down the road. This is what he says. I pray that out of the Father's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. We talked about the idea that out of the Father's glorious riches, meaning he doesn't deal with us out of a poverty mentality. He gives us more grace and more forgiveness. There's never in a place where he's like, I don't wanna do this for you anymore. He is always pouring out for us so that he may strengthen us with power. In these six verses, power is mentioned three times. And the reason for it is it's not situational power. It's not the right job and the right house and the right neighborhood and the right circumstances with the kids and the right school. It's not what it is. What it is essentially is no matter what, if you don't have the right job, the right circumstances, none of that. If you don't know that work is working out for you, you have power. Why? Because it doesn't come through you. It comes through the Holy Spirit in the deepest parts of you. So if you want to be solid, if you want to be secure, if you want to be established, what that means is that we don't worry about having all of these circumstances worked out. We get these circumstances worked out first. And once we have these circumstances worked out first, things begin to change. So he strengthens us with power through his Holy Spirit in our deepest recesses of our heart, right? Our inner being. For what purpose? Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Man, there's nothing like having Jesus dwell in your, in your heart. And I'm telling you right now, like I'm not assuming that every person in the room, I know not every person in the room is a Christian. And if you're here and you're just trying to figure this out and online, if you're just trying to figure this out and you're thinking, man, I don't know what I believe about God. I'm not sure what I believe about Jesus. I definitely don't know about this group of people. Like what, what do I do in those situations? How do I jump in? Our goal for you at the end of the day is that you'll just not take a giant step today. Our goal is for you just to take one step today, just to take a step and go, you know what? That actually made some sense to me. It was kind of helpful to my life. I'm going to come back next week. I'm going to come back next week. And our goal for you ultimately, because I don't want you to be surprised by any of this, my goal for you ultimately is that Christ may dwell in your hearts because that is the most beautiful story that you could write for your life. 
And if that's the story that God wants to write for your life, and we're going to help you take that next step. Verse 18, that you may have power, by the way, not by yourself or alone, and going through hardships by yourself, but together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. We get that by having relationships with other Christians. Verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. These are the two verses we're gonna look at today primarily. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Verse 21, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever. Amen. Let's take a look at verse 20. So the first part of this verse, and, and actually the first part of verse 21, starts with this phrase, now to him. In, in other words, everything that we do in life, our service, our money, our time, our friendship, the stewardship of our children, the stewardship of, our, of, of anything that we have, it's not just for us, it is for him and to him. Now to God. God is what? Able. This means he is capable, he has capacity, and he has the ability efficacy to be able to do everything he wants. You and I are not like that. Sometimes I'm like, I want to do this and I can't do it because of this or that reason. But God has none of that in him. Everything he wants to do, God is able to do. And what he wants to do is immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. He's not going to work around us. He's going to work within us. So the first thing I want you to see is that immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Now, I, I just, you know, I promised like, when I first started preaching that I was going to be as transparent about things as I possibly can be. And so with that in mind, this verse has been for me historically my least favorite verse in all of the Bible. It really is. Because it always comes to me in moments when people are trying to be encouraging. If I feel bad about something, uh, someone will go, man, come on, Mike. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. But for me, for a long time, and maybe you're at this point right now, Okay, so there's hope if you're at this point right now. But for me, for a long time, I was asking for more and imagining more than what I was getting. I was looking at my life as a pastor because we started this church 18 years ago. And, and, and Grace was not like some of the other churches in, in Central Florida that like they started and then boosh, they just blew up. Thousands of people. You know, we had 100, then we had 150, then we had 200, then we had 300, 400. And I think we've got like 4,000. So we just kind of moved it up, but it was just... 18 years, like this. And sometimes I would, and I don't know, you're probably so much better than I am, but, but I would sometimes look at other people and I would, other pastors and other situations, and I would go, well, God, what's wrong with me? Like, am, I, am I preaching something wrong? Is there something immoral in my life that I need to change? And I would wreck myself going over this. I'd talk to people about this. And I was looking at it going, God is able, because he's able to do whatever he wants, but it didn't seem like he wanted to do immeasurably more than anything that I was asking or certainly what I could imagine. And so I found myself just really frustrated all the time about this. And it wasn't until I realized that this passage is not exactly what I thought it was when I was interpreting it that way. This passage actually is a little bit different. Now to God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. What he means by that is he's not doing what you're imagining or asking. He's doing more than what you imagine or asking. And so for me, what I learned over time, because now, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I've seen many of these churches kind of rise and then just collapse and then rise and collapse. And Kelly and I, each time it happens, whether it's a pastor that goes astray 
or just some bad leadership decisions or something that happens. And man, I, I just want you to know, I'm not talking bad about other churches. I love the church. This concerns me. The state of the church right now in Central Florida is rough. And we are praying for it all the time. But, but I would sit with my wife and I would go, wow, look at that. That just happened. And all these Christians would then just all of a sudden leave. And many of them just never came back. The largest, one of the largest de-churched cities in America right here, Central Florida. And I think Kelly and I looked at that and we thought, you know what? All of that that we looked at and admired and even were jealous about at times, it was not what God was doing in us, but we continued. The blessing was here all along. And I didn't realize it until I realized he was doing more than what I was asking for. He was doing more than what I was imagining. And so here's, here's the point. I think often when you find yourself in like frustrating circumstances and hard situations, you're going, why is this happening? Why can't God solve it? She's sick, he can, why doesn't he? My business is struggling, he can, why doesn't he? All of those things. Because that's what we're imagining God's supposed to do. That's what I'm thinking he should do. But behind the scenes, maybe what he's doing is he's building something in you that has nothing to do with you, but it has something to do with someone else down the road that'll be blessed by you. In other words, what God does in you may not be for you, but it may be for someone else, but eventually will bless you, okay? What God is doing in you may not be for you, but it'll be for someone else, but it will still bless you. So what I learned about that over the years of, of being in grace is I, I learned that what God wanted to do with Grace Church was just to slowly build it over time to become an influence in Central Florida, but what he was doing inside of me, inside of Kelly, inside of many, we have so many staff members that have been here for 10 to 15 years, staff members at church that are like three years. What he was doing to me, the staff, my wife Kelly, was he was building a kind of solidness that would be necessary so that when he did bring the growth, we wouldn't fall apart. Why? Because we're not impressed by it. Because it's just the next step that God has for the church. As he has been faithful with us in small things, he is faithful with us in big things. And very much the same way in your life too. God is working these things in your life right now. He is never, ever wasting your circumstances. God is orchestrating circumstances right now that may not be for you, but may be for someone else. Mom, when you are just overwhelmed and the kids are crying and they're not going to sleep and you're not getting anything, God is building strength for you to parent that child for the long run. It's hard, it's no fun, but God is building something in you for them so that one day they will exceed you. I love it. I, would, I used to tell my daughter this all the time and I tell my boys the same thing. I've told them since they were little. I said, I want you to be so much greater than I am. And I remember my boys were like, yeah, we will. You know, and uh, <laughs> my daughter though, on the other side, they were like, she was like, I don't wanna do that, dad, that hurts me. And, and I don't think she understood. There's nothing more beautiful, I mean, this is what love is, there's nothing more beautiful than laying your life down for someone else so that they can be greater than you. I mean, this is the very nature of what Jesus did for us when he hung on a cross. He loved you so much that he became nothing by putting on human flesh and then dying on a cross so that you could become something. Incredible. 
Here's a principle up on the screen. So every once in a while, God, God often changes us so that we can be a blessing to others. Just know this in your heart, that God is changing you right now. He is orchestrating you. And I just want you to think about it, like really, like not surface level, but think about it. When you have grown the most, has it been when everything's been easy? Or has it been when things are hard? When things are hard, that's right. Why? Because resistance builds your body. I mean, resistance builds your body. Resistance builds your emotions. Resistance builds your spirit. It does that. And that enables us to be able to live sacrificially laying our life down. You know why? Because when hard things come to us, we're the people who have been through hardness. We understand what it's like to walk through that. You know what? When it comes, we're able to say, I'll endure. I'll go on because I've been here before. We've been through it before. Extraordinary servanthood means sometimes I've got to give up things that make me comfortable so that I can serve other people and have them know Jesus. And isn't it true that one of the reasons sometimes we don't ask God to do more in our lives is because we have a small view of God, a tiny view of God. We, we look at God sometimes and we go, you're not able. I mean, you're, you're nice. It's a wonderful grandfather in the sky. You're not able to do this or that. Hear these words from King David. King David is one of the most epic and extraordinary characters in all of the Bible. I cannot wait to meet him one day. Can you imagine the lines for certain characters in the Bible? You know, this is getting in line for Paul. Be like, I just have no idea what it's going to be like. It's so weird. In the Old Testament, King David writes these words. And I think that they are so amazing. And I'll tell you the context, which will make them more amazing. But David had a big view of God always in his life, always. Even when he sinned against God, he understood and he humbled himself. First Chronicles 29, 11 says this, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. This is the God that needs to be in your life. Listen, you know what's happening at this time when he says this? David is weakened. He's in a militarily weak position. His son, Adonijah, decides he's going to usurp the throne. And so he declares himself king over Israel. He says, dad, stand aside. I'm now going to be the king. People in Israel start following Adonijah. And David has to make some difficult choices because God is about to do something great. He's about to do something in the lives of Israel to bless them, which was to build a temple in Jerusalem. David was not allowed to do it because he was, one of the epic things about David is he was a warrior. And so God said, you've spilled too much blood to build my temple. So I'm gonna pass it to your son, Solomon. So David knows in order to care for all of the people of Israel, Solomon has to become king. Adonijah stepped in front of God's will and said, no, 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 I'm gonna be the one that's gonna be king. I'm stronger, I'm faster, I'm better. And what ended up happening was Solomon ended up having to slay his brother. And here's David, as he loses his son, And the whole kingdom is just disarray. David writes these words in 1 Chronicles 29, 11, because these words, they sound motivational, they sound hyped. But when you realize they come from a person who has nothing left but God, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything, God, in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. David knew in order to be able to care for his kingdom and the people that he was called to steward, they would have to make difficult choices. And he made these difficult choices. It cost him his son's life. It was terrible. 
But in the middle of all of it, the heartache, the potential loss of his kingdom, he reaches out to God and declares, you are true. You know what happens? Like when you are down, when you're out, when you feel like you're not where you need to be, that's the moment you don't say to yourself, I can do it. You say, you can do it. And you declare who God is for your life. And when we do that, it changes us. We are different on the other side. God blessed David. He showed up in miraculous ways. Solomon was made king and he rebuilt the temple. Now to him, verse 20, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his work within us, verse 21, to him, again, you see it? It was to him in verse 20. Now it's to him in verse 21. To him, God, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever. I love this verse so much, but it's so much better than the last one. And uh, it, it, <laughs> this is what it said. To him, God, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever. When we serve, we serve not so that grace today would be great or whatever church you serve in would be great today. We serve today so that grace will be great tomorrow. When your family shows up finally after you've invited them a hundred times and dad shows up, you know, and dad shows up and all of a sudden the message makes sense to him. The worship is, is, it makes sense to him. And all of a sudden now God changes him and he's a different guy. This is when your neighbor who uh, you've talked about for a long time, you said, man, I just, maybe one day we'll come together in church, but we serve so that when they drive in, it makes sense. Like, you know how encouraging like our, our, our parking, t- it's ridiculous. And I've told, I've told our parking team, the sermon doesn't start here. It starts in the parking lot. That's what happens. Because long before someone comes to listen to something I have to say, they've already determined whether or not you and grace is the church for them. So for us, laying our lives down for people that will come tomorrow enables them to be able to take their next step toward Christ. But see, it's right here in the scriptures. To him, God, be glory in the church. So, so right here, it's to him, God the Father, be glory. All right, let's take a look at what glory is because we tend to look at Bible words sometimes and go, I know what that means when we don't really know, right? So how do we define glory in the Bible? Up on the screen. Glory can be defined as importance, greatness, honor, splendor, and power. I mean, just think about that for a second. That's what we think of when we think of God. He is important in my life. He is great in my life. He is honored in my life. He is splendored in my life, and he's powerful in my life. But, but, but go back to our verse, verse 21. Look at what it says here. To him, God, be glory, hold on, in the church. So, so let's look at it again. Just stay right there. So in the church, it's important. It is greatness, it is honor, it is splendor, and it is spiritual power. So glory, all of those things are in the church, right? So God receives glory when there is glory in the church, and Jesus receives glory when there is glory in the church, Jesus is glorified. That's really interesting because for, for us, we tend to think of this as like an optional thing as Christians, but no, 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 no. Sent, the church is central to a Christian's life. It's central, it's not optional. And here's the reason why. Now, it's not, I don't mean it's not optional in the sense of like, you can not come next week. I'm not going to call you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Hey, where were you? You know, I mean, it's awful. It'd be terrible. It'd be terrible, right? To him, the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, the church is this very central thing. Why? Well, we already know. I mean, I want you to just think about this right now. Um, France used to be um, the number one Christianized nation in the world. 
Now, today, it's one half of 1%. Same thing in England, not exactly with the same statistics. Same thing in Ireland. You can travel through France, and you can travel through England, you can go through Scotland, you can go through um, Ireland, and there are massive and beautiful cathedrals all over the place that are now just run by the government because they're museums. Great examples of architecture, but they were filled with worshipers at one point in time. And when the church disappears, when the church disappears, worship of Jesus disappears. There are no individual Christians by themselves holding everything together. It is we, the church. Because the Father, watch this. When Jesus receives glory, the church is gloried and the Father is then given glory. And those three things are absolutely necessary. They are together. It's God's plan A for the world. And I just want to challenge you. Like whatever you think, because I know you're busy. I know, I know there's a lot of stuff going on. This should not be something that you think about and think, this is just one more thing to add to my plate. No, no, this is the thing to give back to your plate. This is the thing that changes you. So here's how it ends. Verse 21. To him, God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Look at this. One day you and I, because we're st- I'm, st- I'm stewarding the leadership of this church. You are stewarding the membership of this church. Okay? And as I go and as you go, so goes the church. But one day we will throughout all generations, forever and ever and ever. The church is the only thing in this world that will endure forever and ever and ever. Your house, our lives, none of that will endure forever and ever and ever. The church endures forever and ever throughout all generations. One day, you and I, when we're old, we'll hand this church off to somebody else and to a new set of members. And we'll say to them, now it's your time to steward the church. And they will walk with Jesus into the next generation. And that's how we arrived where we are today because a generation before us stewarded the church and said, here's the church, here are the keys. We need you to lead it now. And it's all, all, all. When we show up, God shows up. And I'm gonna ask you to serve and serve and serve in this church. And it's not always gonna be wonderful. It's not always gonna be like, man, this is so great, holding a baby, yay. But that little baby one day will pay your social security check. I'm just kidding, just kidding. But that little baby one day, we're going to invest in that baby. We're going to invest in those kids. We're going to invest in those students because one day they're going to be the church and they're going to know Jesus because you stewarded the church well. Amen? Jesus, thank you so much for your church. Thank you so much for your love for us that you have laid your life down as an example for us. That you didn't come just to walk around and be king. You were a king, but even in the middle of your kingdom, you laid down your life for us so that we could have access to the Father and never, ever, ever die apart from him. And so, Lord, we ask now that you'd help us to live in the same way that your son did. Father, we ask that you'd help us to walk with humility to serve those around us so the next generation can know you and love you with all their heart too. It's in your name we pray, amen.